0: Thank you, Chantel, choir, orchestra. Thank you, Brother John. Take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 28. We'll read verses 29, 30, 31 as we come to the conclusion of this series from the pen and heart and life of Luke, the writer of the gospel, as well as the acts of the apostles. And uh, we'll look together today at a message I've entitled, Advancing the Gospel. In Acts 28. Uh, we began reading verse 29, and you follow along with me. We remember that Paul has finally made it to Rome. He's incarcerated. He's going to leave here in two years. He's going to be killed later, but for two years he's in this Roman jail appealing to Caesar. Well, we're not certain that he ever has that trial, though there are many others, but we don't know of that. Uh, But that's why he is here, because his heart is to preach the gospel in Rome. And so we find it in Acts 28, verse 29 says, And when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed. Those words were from Isaiah, and we see those in verses 26 and 27. Having a great dispute among themselves. And then the postscript of the whole book. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness. Akalutos is the Greek word. Akalutos. Unhindered. It's another one of those words like amoral. Like Amethyst, with the negation of the alpha on the front end. Klutos, to hinder. Ah, not to hinder. The gospel here is not hindered, but going forth. This morning I want to call us to reestablish, and we must always be doing this, reestablishing an outward focus of the ministry of the church. It's while we're doing evangelism, training with men on Wednesday night, and we will train others. We're going to have a time where we train the choir and different people where we are training with evangelistic methods and how to do that and how to share correctly the gospel as the Lord gives you opportunity. I share with you this morning from the pen of David Hanson who is quoted by Tony Morgan in the unstuck church Hansen is a business person and Morgan takes this business principle and lays it over on the church here's what Hanson said when you stick with your current customers come what may now I changed that line from something else something to do with high water When you stick with your current customers, come what may. You wind up cutting yourself off from new customers. And your product or service becomes so tailored to your current customers that it stops appealing to fresh blood. And that's when your company begins to die. When it's all about the internal. Now, we are to do internal work at the church. We have teaching to do and love to do and encouragement to do and building up. But when everything turns inward and we lose our outward focus, we begin to die. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We must take care of things in the house, but we must be going outside the house. And this text this morning helps us to advance the gospel. Now notice, Paul is in jail. He's in jail for two years. It's a hard place. Nero is the emperor. He is mean as the devil. As a matter of fact, he calls on the Romans to call him God. No one names their little boy Nero. You don't do it. You name your German shepherd Nero, but you don't name your son, Nero, because the context is, is, is that he's hellish and, and, and mean. And in this context of Nero and this Roman godlessness. The gospel was ocolutos. It was not hindered. It went forward. I have people tell me today, oh, it's such a bad time to try to share the gospel in our country, in America, because we're going down a drain pipe like a sewer, and we've left God, and indeed we have. And when the borders are open, you do not have a nation any longer. And when you are immoral with uh, the sexual life and the thinking life, uh, you've lost all context of who you are and when you can walk into stores and fill up sacks with stuff and walk out and never even be charged with theft we've lost our mind it is a godless place what a great time for the gospel the darker it gets it just takes a little light to light the place up but it takes courage And an advancement. We are not to hold back. We are to advance the gospel. And that is what Paul is doing here. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9, Paul writes to Timothy about this. And he said, I suffer hardship, even imprisonment as a criminal. But, glory to God, the word of God is not imprisoned. Friend, you can put the preacher in jail, but you can't put the word of God in jail. You can put the preacher behind bars, but you cannot stop the gospel of the Lord God. It is unhindered. It's just looking for someone to be a mouthpiece. You're looking for a college student to be a mouthpiece. you looking for a senior adult to be a mouthpiece. you looking for a teenager to be a mouthpiece that we might advance the gospel. So this morning, I want us to think about advancing the gospel. I have very rarely preached a perfect sermon, but I am today. (laughs) There are seven points to this message. That's the perfect number, all right? So that's what makes this sermon perfect. And you'll have to listen in a hurry, all right? And so if you listen slow, you're going to be here a while. But if I hit you, you just holler, amen, and we'll get on. But if you don't, I'm going to sit there for a little while, all right? So that, how do we advance the gospel? We learn from the apostle Paul in jail, Nero sitting on the throne, squatting like a toad. And here we find Paul in prison. How does he advance the gospel? Well, let me give you seven things that will advance the gospel. The gospel number one faithful stewardship advances the gospel faithful stewardship notice in the text he stayed two full years in his own what kind of quarters rented quarters somebody paid for this you see Paul was a Roman citizen therefore he was not put in the ranks of of the basement of the jail he was allowed to find his own place but he had to pay for it how did he pay for it he was a great fundraiser we know the church at Philippi from Philippians chapter 4 sent offerings to him listen to me church Every vision for the gospel advancement costs. You think it's free to house these girls for a year and a half? Thank you. It is not free. They eat every day. They need clothes. They need a place to stay. Every vision has to be funded. You think it's free to do this college work out here that we do on Tuesday night where God's blessing and a marvelous well. No, it's not free. You see, faithful stewardship advances the gospel. That's why I encourage you to be a tither. That's why I, I had a deacon this morning early, came and handed me an envelope and, and said something. I've never had anyone say this to me before. He handed me and he said, we want to be a part of the 90 and, and here's our check. And he said, Thank you for challenging us. I never had anybody say that before. So I'm doing it again. <laughs> After the first service, I, I, there was a lady that walked by me, she said, was that my husband I said no she said well we've been praying about it and I thought he might have just gone on without me and I said well and she said it'll be fine if he does amen well we must be faithful stewards and we learn to give more blessed gift is to receive you give as you can calling you to tithe and beyond faithful stewardship will always advance the gospel number two kingdom preaching advances the gospel notice it in verse 31 Paul was there for two years welcoming people Preaching the kingdom of God. That word "preach" is our word for herald. He was shouting out the gospel. He was proclaiming the God. He was preaching the gospel. But notice, he was preaching the kingdom of God. Our preaching is not a democracy; it's a theocracy. We preach one, his name is Christ. And if we preach Christ, he is the king. And therefore, we encourage people to come to the king. What do you do when you come to the king? You bow down. When you come to royalty and sovereignty and to kingdom, you, you come bowing. That's why I give an appeal when I preach. That's why I, I give an invite. And I say, come. had a lady this week I talked to her She's seen her adult that she just moved to town she said I may come join your church tomorrow well amen sweet lady if you're in this service I invite you to come after church today she may have already stopped by next steps and done it I don't know but if God calls you to respond to the gospel come that's why I give an appeal Not everybody gives an appeal. Some people, you talk people into something, and it's a bad day. Well, I'm just telling you, all through the Word of God, Jesus said, come and follow me, come and follow me, come and follow me. And if Jesus gave an appeal, I think we should do likewise. And so we give the appeal, preaching the kingdom. We left out a song because we had a little extra to do today. And the song we left out, we cut, John and I talked it through. Just all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prod. Just call him Lord of a many. No, you crown him Lord of all. He's number one. Let me tell you, friend, if he's not first place, he's no place. You crown him king. We preach the kingdom of the gospel. Somebody needs to come crown him today. Crown him. Crown him, crown him. When I got married, we sang that song. That was in our wedding. Crown him, crown him. We didn't do the one we did right there. We did the 200 version, the diadem version. There's two songs. I'd never heard the diadem version until my wife introduced it to me. She is from the city church. They did it one way. We did it right in the country. But at our wedding, we did it how she was. (laughs) Number three, inspired writing advances the gospel. While Paul is in this jail for two years, he wrote the book of Ephesians, the letter, the letter to the Philippians, the letter to the Colossians, and he wrote the letter to Philemon. We find that in the context of Scripture. You too can write. Now, you can't write Scripture. We don't need any more Scripture. We have 66 books. The canon is closed. There's no more Bible to be written. You don't read what you got. We don't need to write any more. But you can write. That, that moves people A text, a letter Some of you A few of you Have got a book in you You need to write Now many years ago I met Andy Andrews, become my dear friend Lives over on Ono Island, toward Mobile I asked Andy one time I said, are you a Christian writer? He said, oh no He said, I'm a writer who's a Christian. He said, there's a vast difference, preacher. He said, Christian writers just write for Christians. I'm a Christian who writes, hopefully, to touch a lost world. His books move me. I love that brother. Emmy Dodd, who is the father of the cooperative program in Southern Baptist life. Emmy Dodd, who developed the pastor's conference of the Southern Baptist Convention which they allowed me to be the president many years ago, and you went with me, and the choir went, and we had a great time singing up there in Indianapolis. Emmy Dodd started that years ago. Emmy Dodd wrote a gospel track when he was a young preacher. He didn't know if anybody would ever read it, but one day his daddy read it and got saved. Probably the greatest piece of writing Emmy Dodd ever did in all his life was write a gospel track that his father read, and his father came to faith in Christ. I have a gospel track right here. Some of our members wrote this track about one of their family members that died in a tragic plane crash and they wanted to tell the story and they put the gospel in that and asked us if we'd help them. We have them over in the uh, media center. You can pick those up, give them out. I keep a few in my bag to share with people at various times. You never know how powerful the pen can be. So I encourage you. Inspired writing advances the gospel. Number four, developing disciples advances the gospel. Notice in this text, not only were they preaching the kingdom of God, they were teaching concerning the Lord Jesus. Teaching Jesus. What do we teach when we teach Jesus? Well, we teach just exactly when I kneel down in my home study on that altar. I look down and on the floor, right in front of my altar, there's a piece of paper that says John 15, branch life, branch life. He is the vine. I'm the branch. God sends the power. It's not mine. He is the one that brings that out of that end of the branch, and the fruit then hangs. We teach the branch life. We teach the Jesus life. We develop disciples. We do that in connection groups. We do it on Wednesday nights. We do it in small groups. You do it in D groups. You do it in lots of other ways. But let me just implore you. If you are not a part of some kind of small group Bible study in this church, call it Sunday school, connection group, call it training union, BYP, I don't care what you call it. Just get in it. You need a connectivity somewhere with people. Say, preacher, I'm doing fine without that. Yeah, but they may not be doing fine without you. You need that connection. It's in that connection that we develop disciples. If you want to know more about that, go by and sign up for Discovering Olive. And we'll teach you how we do it around here. And you'd be a part. Paul was here teaching concerning the Lord Jesus. Teaching the branch life. Number five, spiritual friendships advance the gospel. I can prove to you by reading the epistles... That Luke, Aristarchus, Tychicus, Timothy, Demas, Epaphroditus, Mark, and Justice all came by this jail. They all visited. We find all through the Paul talked about them being there. Everybody needs a spiritual friend. I'm talking about when you get the worst news you can think about, those three people come to mind. You know who they are right now. You know who those people are. You need them in your life. And not only do you need them, you need to be one to somebody else. That when they have that hardest moment, they're going to call your number, they're going to send you a text. And if you're a friend to no one, you need to repent. Spiritual friendships. That when you're in jail, These people come see you. Say, Pastor, you'd come. I said, Yeah, I'd come, but I get paid to come. I'm talking about the folks that come. Because they love you. Amen. Some people are paid to do good. Other people are good for nothing. All right. That's the kind of friends you need. Amen. Yeah. They'll be there. that's who Paul had old oh, Luke showed up Aristarchus Epaphroditus was his spiritual friend And he was there with him number six number six Personal evangelism Advances the gospel I can prove to you that Paul led at least two people to the Lord while he was in his jail cell. First of all in the book of Philemon the tenth verse or no chapter just verses in Philemon verse 10 Onesimus came and he led him to faith in Christ. He was a runaway slave from Philemon He came to Rome knocked on the door asked to see the preacher and the preacher led him to Christ because in verse number 10 He sent him back to Philemon when he wrote this letter and he said, please take this young man He is my beloved He didn't mean he was his child that he had had a physical child. He had had a spiritual child See, this kid came, knocked on the door. Said, man, I'm a runaway slave and I'm not going back. But I hear you got good news. You're some kind of guy. You're in jail and you believe in your message. He came in, Paul led him to Christ and then sent him back to Philemon. Paul did not deal with the slavery issue. He dealt with the salvation issue. There are people who want Philemon taken out of the Bible. Just right stupid across their head. Because it doesn't deal with that issue. Paul is gospel, 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 no matter your scenario. Then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, we know that several of the praetorian guard got saved. Paul was in that jail, yet he was chained up to the guard. Every eight hours, they unhooked him from one, hooked up another. Paul looked, who's coming next? Amen. New prospect. Do you imagine being chained to the guy that wrote all these books in the New Testament? You get chained up, that guy? What do you want to talk about today? <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was not just Paul that led them to Christ. The Bible says in Philippians, in chapter 1 and verse 13, you see it up on the screen, my imprisonment was the cause of Christ to become well-known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. How did it get known? They didn't all come see Paul. Paul led them to Christ and the praetorian guards. The guards went back to the guard shack and told the other guards about the gospel. That's how it became known. One man telling another, as one old preacher used to say, is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's what went on. Now, here's my question to you. Listen to me. You come hear me preach on a regular basis if you're a member of the church. I want to ask you a question. Listen. Who have you ever shared Christ with? Hmm. I mean, you've been saved, some of you, five years, some of you, 20, some of you, like me, for... A over 50 years I'm gonna tell you the only people you have to share Jesus with are those that God tells you to share with and I'm here to tell you if you'll get up tomorrow morning and say Lord I'm willing he'll wear you out you put a track in your pocket and get ready I shared the gospel with a young girl yesterday she's our waiter at breakfast just had a quick moment and I tipped her $100, gave her a gospel tract, and I said, I have an elderly gentleman that blesses me and lets me bless some other people, and I just want to bless you today. Thank you for working hard. Here's little news. Hope you'll read it. She took it, didn't say thank you, didn't say nothing. Just walked off. I thought, well, I may have missed that one. About five minutes, she came back to the table, and she said, oh, I get it now. She said, I read that paper you gave me, and that old man you're talking about is God. I said, yes, ma'am. That's that. <laughs> I it. He's the ancient of days. That's what Daniel calls him. I said, you did. She said, it took me a minute, but I got it. I said, amen. I hope you'll read it and you'll get it all. Just bring up his name. Personal evangelism advances the gospel. The year was 1953, the month of December. The snow 14 inches deep. The town Detroit, Michigan. My mother went into labor. I was born. 54 came in springtime. 55, 56. I'm just two or three years old. At 23605 Diesel Street. There's a knock on the door. Brother Kiefer and another guy are there. They come in and share the gospel with my father, and my father gets saved. Baptized in the St. Clair Shores Baptist Church. Fast forward eight more years. I'm in the second grade. We moved back to Alabama. They put me in vacation Bible school. In a few years, I come to faith in Christ. I've had opportunity to lead some of you to the Lord and have influence in your life. That goes back to my father, but daddy doesn't get credit. There's a guy that came with Brother Kiefer. He was a preacher from Texas. He led my daddy to Jesus. He gets credit. Well, no, not really, because somebody led that old boy to Jesus. And somebody before him. You never know how far the chain goes when you rattle it. One beggar tells another beggar where to find bread. Have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? Only about 20% of the church, they tell us, actively does that. That's my fault for not training and equipping and urging enough. But that's how you advance the gospel. You see, you are the greatest positive or negative advertisement for Olive and the gospel we have. It's just according to who you are. (laughs) Don't be a negative advertisement. Be the gospel. Amen. Amen. Number seven is not in the text, but I add it because it's in the Bible. It's here, but it's just hovering, and that is that supernatural favor advances. Do you know how good God's been to Olive Baptist Church all these years? Oh, the favor of God comes. The Bible says in in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22 and verse 1, that the favor of God is better than silver and gold. That's pretty good. Proverbs says that the favor of God is is like the wind of God. It's like the dew from heaven. It's freshness. It's what keeps us alive. It's the freshness of God. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 8, the Bible says, Noah found Grace in the eyes of the Lord, it's the word charis when it's put over into Greek. In Acts seven twenty-six, the Bible says that David found grace or charis, favor. It's what these girls are, they're in the charis house. It's the grace house. It's the favor house. See, what changes their life is not what they do. It's the grace of God. They don't deserve to be in this house, but grace invites them there. Let me let you in on a little secret. You don't deserve to be in this house. Only grace gets you here. You're taking up some of my time, if you don't. I think he's my favorite historical illustration I've illustrated with him with you again and again his last name is Stud, S-T-U-D-D two D's C-T's is an issue. C-T Stud who's a great cricket player in England that's a sport <laughs> he would have been to Tom Brady of his day that's an old retired quarterback Stud was a stud when it came to athletics. And God gloriously saved him. And then his daddy died. And C.T. Stud inherited a fortune. And then God called him to go to China as a missionary. You think, man, that's great. But you know what C.T. Stud did? He gave away the fortune. That's how they started Moody Institute, he gave the offering, he gave the fortune to the evangelist so he could start the school. He said, if I'm going to go to the world with the gospel, I'll go trusting God, not a man. I'm not saying that's the way everyone has to do it or should do it, but it's the way C.T. Studd did it. He gave away it all and he trusted God. And this was his phrase and this is my phrase to you today and then we give the invitation. He said you will either deny yourself or you will deny Christ. Which is it for you? When God calls you, you must deny yourself, die to yourself, In order to live for him, if you do not do that, you will deny Christ. He said, I set before you these two choices. And then he used, as I've shared with you before, and he preached that great old sermon. You can find the writing of it online called Chocolate Christians. One of my favorites. He said most people that come to church are chocolate Christians. Oh, they sing and they sit up in the pew and they just. But he said you let them leave here and it gets a little hot in the kitchen. He said they're sitting on that little white paper dolly on a glass plate. And oh, they're so prim and proper. But when they get out in the world and it gets a little hot to live for Jesus, they melt. Chocolate Christians. He said, don't be a chocolate Christian. He said, be the one that stands on the chief cornerstone and become a living stone yourself because you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him.